Before we dive into the word this morning, I want to share with you some reports from a few of our missionaries that uh, we reached out to earlier this month just to get some updates and prayer requests, things that they have need of. Um, You may not have met them before. Some of you you've met, uh, but we want to introduce them to you in a sense. Um, praying that some of them will be able to come back and or come visit and share their hearts as well. But uh, Chris, if you put that first slide up there, um, the first one I want to mention is Beth Lem. And yeah, she's, the, I've actually put it up here. I'm just going to read it to you and then you see it up there. But Beth is in the Philippines and she's an amazing woman of God just answering the call of the Lord and her heart is there. And she said she just wanted to thank all of us who've been praying uh, for her for her and giving financially to the work to spread the gospel here. They started a children's ministry and outreach there where they said they started with 10 and it grew to 30 and she just says, praise God. And one of the needs that they have, they said just to pray that they're, they're come out of families of poverty and there's a lot of drugs there. And so she said, just pray for those families, pray for the parents, because it's one thing to reach the kids, but you gotta reach the families too. So it's something we need to pray for and maybe I'm, asking tonight that if you want to come and pray at six o'clock, there's some of these needs we're going to be praying for this evening as God is focusing in on these things. Because we want to say these things, and we know you will pray, church, but we want to pray together and believe God for what he's doing and what he's at work doing. Amen? If you go to that next slide, this is uh, Beth preaching in one of the churches there and ministering. Can you see her off in the corner over there? She doesn't like pictures of herself. She doesn't take them very often, but I was like, please give me a few pictures. We want to see you. (laughs) Uh, We miss her dearly and just appreciate her heart. She's going all over city to city and traveling around just all these different places. She's got probably 12 to 15 more to go visit. Um, And the next slide there is their youth ministry in the Philippines. They're going to be having a youth outreach uh, in February and for a week, and they're, they're just asking for prayer that young people will come. So we want to pray that young people will come to this outreach and be on fire for Jesus. Amen? So this is just amazing to watch. She had a couple of videos. I couldn't get those up there this time, but uh, of her just praying for these young people, and they're just heart going after God. So it's so important to see what God is doing around the world. just want to give you a taste. The next slide here is also something that they were working on. She got back to the Philippines, and she said she went to her house, and when she got there, her room, bedroom, was all boarded up. She's like, what happened? And I said, well, black mold has begun to grow because they had a leak in the roof, and they thought they fixed it, but it didn't get fixed. So here they are working on the roof to get it fixed so she can have her room back. Now, missionaries go through a lot of things, and they don't always have the finances to do it, but I pray, church, that the Lord puts things on your heart this morning to support and to be a part of what God is doing, both to help those who are on the mission field. Because I'll tell you why a lot of these missionaries, they go and they say, I'm going without all the provision, but they're believing God for it along the way. And we can also be part of that answer. Next up here is Bruce and Becky McDonald. They're uh, missionaries to, uh, their organization is called Regions Beyond. And they go to many different parts of Africa, places that most people would not go. And um, Bruce and Becky are based out of Florida. And he just said, please pray for our upcoming Niger trip, which Pastor John Sr. is going to be a part of, going and recording more uh, TV shows to broadcast the Word of God. Um, He says, including the tickets and the, the cost of those. He also asked for healing for his back and his right leg and his foot. He's dealt with so many physical issues, and doctors just can't seem to figure out what's happening and what to do. We need to pray for a miracle in his life. 
Amen? Because he wants to continue. He's not done, and God's not done with him, and so he needs the strength in his body to continue in that. And here are a couple testimonies next uh, from Pastor Sabo, who's one of the ministers there in Niger, and um, Pastor Jonathan has, has met with him and been to his church as well. And this is amazing. This lady... Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Was it Ramatu? I'm not sure. As an education inspector, she gave her life to Jesus through our Destiny program, and that's what Pastor John is being a part of. They're recording uh, messages and ministering through TV. And she said she always was frightened in the night by evil spirits. And one day she watched the message on the power of God and discernment of spirits. So she decided to pray to the Lord to chase the evil spirits far from her. From that night, she never experienced any fear or attack in night. She called to testify that the Lord had done. She, she's uh, channeling her family to Jesus secretly because her husband's a devout Muslim. And that's, so isn't that amazing what God can do? Just You watch something like, I want that. I need that. And they just pray, and God does it. It's so incredible. Through, through a TV show. I mean, sometimes you don't even think, uh, program, program, not a TV show, because it's, it's not made up. <laughs> it's a real power of God, and he's not limited to go through that screen and speak to someone and show them what he can do. The next slide up here is Ishmael, and he says um, he's a 15-year-old boy, and he ran away from his place where his people were daily killed because of jihadists in the western region of Niger. And when he saw... This is Pastor Sabo at the gas station. He asked if I'm the one preaching with the white man. <laughs> he said, yes. And then he said, in my place, we follow your program, but I don't know how to become like you. I want to follow Jesus. <laughs> so I led him to Christ and, and um, led him to the church. I just think that's just, just incredible. Just young people. You have old people. You just have this generation. Just they just moments where they're just... I've watched this, and I, I, I want to be, I want to have what you have. Something in you is different. Jesus in you is different, and I want that. Show me how to have Jesus. Amen. Next one up here is Victor Pavlovsky from Moldova. Many of you have supported him through, uh, we've, we were, had the refugees were coming to his church, and you saw the pictures we had last time of the beds that were being laid out all throughout his church, just filled with beds <laughs> and supporting them. So, um, He's just saying, thank you for supporting us. And he said that the cost of energy resources is high, but God is doing wonderful things through this, the winter. And um, they're just thankful to keep Moldova in being out of war at this time. I keep asking him, and when I messaged him, I said, how's everything going? Or, are you guys good? Do you guys need anything? And this is what he was mentioning. So if you see the next picture here on the next slide, there's some street city outreaches that they're doing. Pretty amazing. Just going out on the streets and ministering to, look at those crowds, isn't that amazing? Does it make you hungry for something? No? Me? Yes? Everybody's like, ooh. Come on, let the Lord grab hold of your heart this morning, church. Let's go to the next slide there. This is some children's outreaches and schools and kindergartens that they're, they're doing and just ministering just all over. It's just amazing. The next one there in Moldova is potatoes for people. I love this. This is wonderful. You got to feed them. There's practicalities. Jesus fed them with fish and loaves. They got potatoes. So hallelujah. Blessing them with food, taking care of their spiritual needs and their physical needs. The next one up here uh, is special outreaches for the refugees. So they didn't just go out go on the streets in Moldova, but they also focus in on some support for the refugees and ministering to them. Just wonderful, just blessing them. 
And then the la let's see, we've got the next one here is preparing food boxes for families. So many ways to minister to people, isn't there? <laughs> so wonderful. Next one I just want to highlight here, uh, lastly, is Pastor uh, Kalevi from Fiji. This is our senior pastor, if you see on the side here, this is Pastor Kalevi. He's on Westfield New Horizon Ministry. Uh, we're going to be going to Fiji this summer on a missions trip. Uh, hallelujah. And uh, we're excited, so we want to pray that God keeps that door open and, and just lets us be ready for what all that he has to minister there um, in Fiji. I love that they have a bus ministry that goes out. Oh, well, switch it quick. Okay, anyways, we'll go on to the next one. Why do I have this one up here? Where's this? Oh, this is home. Okay. Home can be a mission field. Yes. Amen. <laughs> if you're in kids ministry, ministry to families, this is Linwood, Washington. We want to make a difference where we are as well. It's missions isn't just about overseas. It's about everywhere we are. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get in the word this morning. I thank you guys for the opportunity to just share with you my heart. I love missions. Um, so we're going to be talking this morning about having a missional life. Having a missional life. And when I was in college, I'll just tell you a quick story. I remember my, my uncle was the lead pastor, and he was very missions-oriented. And he went in and did lots of crusades in different countries in Africa and India, hence was minus from. I actually got to go on a trip to India. Um, so blessed to be a part of that. But I remember before this, before I got to have the opportunity to go on any missions trip, I remember there was a Sunday and they were talking about missions. And at the end, you know, he's sharing all these things in his heart and what that meant. And I was, I was kind of confused as a young adult. I was like, okay, missions, does that mean a missionary? I'm, I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not going to go live overseas. I don't think that's me. I don't know that I can do that. I don't think that's my name. You know, I just was like, I was confused about it. And they had a call, an altar call at the end. And I, I wanted so badly. I remember we had pews, not chairs. We had pews. And I was kind of on the edge of the pew. And I'm like, I wanted to step out so badly to respond to the call. But I really thought it was just for people, for missionaries. And I'm like, I'm not called to be a missionary, but I really want to go. And I was so... Me, this is, this is the way I kind of operate. I'm standing there, and I kind of stepped out of the aisle like, would anybody notice or care if I stepped out? Would anybody be bothered? I, maybe they don't see me as a missionary. Would they think I'm responding wrong because that's not who I am? And I, I slowly kind of inched my way just a little bit forward, but I was there. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, God, I'm all in. I want to I affect the world. I want to change it for you. I want to be part of what you're doing. I, my heart was just so hungry, but I laugh at myself now because I realize that's not what they were trying to say. They were just trying to say, will you answer the call to be part of God's mission, to part of what he is doing? And I was so hungry for that. So I thank God for my, he just deals with my own immaturity. He speaks to me and that I'm willing to be like, okay, let's just one foot in. Can I, can I go? Okay, that's, maybe that's not you, but maybe you're just one of those who jumps all in. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. If you have your words this morning, it'll be up here on the screen as well, but if you'd rather see it, it's good to read it yourself. Uh, we're going to look, start here in, in verse 1 through 3. So after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. Everybody say 70. Also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Go your way, behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. Now in this previous chapter, in chapter 9, Jesus is calling his 12. And I know these verses are very familiar to a lot of us. But I want to focus in on this because there's a calling. A missional life starts with a calling. Jesus called his 12, and some of us go, well, I'm not the 12, those chosen right with Jesus. But Jesus says, right after this, he's like, hey, no, I'm calling 70 more. 70 others also. But then you're like, I'm not part of that 70. But he's like, they're saying, pray for laborers. So 12 was not enough. And there's a point where 70 was not enough. He's calling anybody who will come, saying, come and work with me. Come be a part of what I am doing. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he called them. But then he's calling the seven to say, I'm calling them also. So the power and the anointing, all this calling right here, the authority and the anointing is upon the 70. And they're placing the authority and the anointing on any of those laborers who will go after, say, will you answer that call? They say, well, I'm not quite that close to Jesus. So maybe I'm not, I don't consider myself a real disciple of Jesus. But Jesus called a lot of different people. He called tax collectors, fishermen, businessmen, women. So discipleship and calling was not to be contained to a select few. The going was not to be contained just to a few people. That's why I had Linwood up here too. Just to throw you off just a second. There's like, missions, let's go overseas, go to Fiji. I'm not going to go there. No, no, no. Missions is wherever you are and wherever you, God sends you out to. Could be your neighborhood, your business place. Could be overseas. What is God calling you to? We are to be laborers. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. In 1 Timothy 2 through 7, it says this. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hmm, there's a giving out of what you have. That's, that's pretty, you heard that before? No, maybe? Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship, oh, that sounds fun, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowded, crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first go to partake of his crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. If you jump down to verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, why the scripture? I love this because I like that he encounters and he speaks to a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. <laughs> How different are those? It's, it's pretty, God's word is amazing. He's saying, I was looking at soldiers, and maybe there's many of you who are, are vets or in the army or enlisted. This this is not an enlistment of four years, and then you go on reserves for four years. 
or I've done my four years and now I'm out. When we enlist with the Lord as a good soldier, it is a lifetime. It's not for a moment, not just for a season, but a lifetime. I love, we've been hearing from some of our older, older folks in the house, some in their late 70s and 80s, and it's just been amazing. I, want, I start tearing up when I think about it as they share their heart to continue on with it. They're like, God is calling me. I'm this age, but I can't believe he's, I, they're still listening. They're still leaning in. God, what do you have for me? I want to change this. You're speaking to me. I need to listen to you. So I'm not hearing you. Okay, you told me that, so now I need to hear you. They're responding to the Lord at their age. doesn't matter how old you are. You are part of the calling of God. God doesn't want it to be yesterday's news or say, oh, in my past days I did this. What is he doing right now in your life? And what are you responding to his voice calling you to? Be diligent to present yourselves approved by God. A worker. We have to be workers. I was like, work? Well, you just tune me out. Don't tune back in. Tune back in. This is a lifestyle. A missional life is a lifestyle. The harvest truly is great. You know, I heard, I've heard that most of my life. The harvest is ripe. You sing songs about it. The harvest is great. What does that mean? I, sometimes I think of crowds, and I think of people pouring in the church, or, oh, people just coming off the streets. They didn't even know why they came in the building. That stuff happens all the time, and I love that. We think of maybe salvations just flooding in the church, and we think of overseas and mul- crowds and multitudes and God moving and miracles, signs and wonders. These are all part of the harvest. But what do you see here at home? I want to challenge you just for a moment. Do you see the place that you serve in the church as a mission field? When you go to teach a Sunday school class, when you go back there to the summer, do you see that as a mission field? Do you treat it as this is important to God because what I am doing is going to affect somebody else? It's going to affect their ability to hear, to see, to worship, to praise God, to read their Bible. It's going to encourage them. This is my mission field. Do you treat it as such, or is it just something that has just become a part of what you do and just your, I serve this Sunday? I know that's going to stir a little pot this morning, but I want to tell you that I love you. But this is my job as a pastor is to stir you up for the work of the ministry, to stir you up to do what God is asking you to do. And it is your job to respond to the call. So do you see where you're at as a mission field? Do you see your workplace as a mission field? If not, I want to challenge you to ask God, God, I'm where I'm working. My coworkers, show me their hearts. Show me what they need from you. I want to be the answer for their sake. Because the mission field is all around us at the gas station. When somebody approaches you or they're in need and you're just like, let me pray for you. Let me give you Jesus. One example I'd like to draw out from scripture is in Mark 10. Another familiar passage to us. In verse 17, it says, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Isn't that wonderful? Like, I, I want to see that where people are on the streets and going, do you have Jesus? <laughs> I want eternal life. How do I do this? Amen. Verse 18, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But you know the commandments? Do not commit, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Church, do you know these things? Verse 20, and he answered and said, teacher, all these things I've done for my youth. 
I was taught a long time ago that this guy was getting kind of cocky. Yeah, I've done these things, but I don't think this is really what's happening. He's like, yeah, I've done these things. He's leaning in. He's like, what do I, I want eternal life? I want, I want this. So, okay, yes, I've done those things. But I love that he approaches him as teacher, not master. When you approach a teacher, what is a teacher there to do? Teach you something. <laughs> okay. Awesome. You guys are following along. This is great. Verse 21, it says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus, looking at you, loves you. Right where you are, in your questions. I don't know what question you're asking of him this morning. He looks at you and he loves you. And he said, one thing you lack. Now, I don't know if someone looks at you in love and says, one thing you're missing. This is not a hard thing. This is one thing you're missing. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. What is the one thing, church, that God is asking of you today that stands in your way for following him? He just said, I want eternal life. And Jesus says, I want you to see the poor. I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me in a way that you haven't experienced before. You may not know where you're going. You may not know how you're going to get there. But will you take that step? Will you let go of everything that you have and come and follow me? That's all you need. I have a purpose. Not just for you, but for the sake of others. The poor have need. And we have so much. We are so rich. Not just in possession, but in our faith. We're so rich in deliverance and healing. We have so many things. But will you give it to the poor? Will you answer the missional call that God has for you? What is your one thing that keeps you from going deeper and from going farther? See, love, he looked at him with love. Love calls us to a higher place, to a different standard, a different way of living than we're used to. But I implore you, don't be like this rich young ruler who we, we, that's his name that we all know him as. We said, I'm sorrowful because he asked me to give something up. What are you willing to lay at his feet and say, no more, I lay it down. I'm done. There's someone else that needs you, Jesus, because you are eternal life. You are the power that delivers every soul from the, the depths of hell and causes them to live in eternity with you. You have the power to break darkness. I want them to have that. I will let go of everything in me. I will let go of my own possessions. I will let go of all to follow you, Jesus. Is that your heart today? I hope it will be. It'll cost you something, but the cost is worth it. I challenge each of us that the Spirit of the Lord is moving. Don't miss it. Let him lead you. Let him wash over you. Let him come upon you and empower you by his Spirit. He's looking at you with love. He wants to, he chooses you. He's calling you. This is for every single one of us in the room, including the young kids in this house. He's calling you. So what do we do? He calls us. Now, what do we do when he calls us to this mission of life? First one is to pray. 
That sounds very simple, doesn't it? When God calls you to something, especially when it's something that you're not used to or you're unfamiliar with, it kind of seems a little frightening. You want me to go to Africa? What? I've never been there before. Maybe people are, you're like the adventurous one, so God's asking you to stay home. I mean, God sometimes does the opposite of what we really like or if it, are comfortable with. Okay, so you need to listen <laughs> and, and go, okay, let's get, we're going to get a little uncomfortable this morning, right? But we need to pray. But nothing is, un, is accomplished unless we pray. He told the 70, pray to the Lord of the harvest. When we pray for harvest, it builds an interest and a yearning for the harvest and motivates us to do something. You ever been in a prayer meeting and you hear somebody praying, say about families, God restore families, and all of a sudden your heart just goes, oh yes, I want that too. See, there's a yearning that comes that you're like, I want that too. But it's what happens when you pray and you pray together corporately, you begin to hear the heart of God and it stirs you up, go, ooh, yes, Lord. Start praying for the mission. We're going to pray for Bethlehem and these youth tonight. We're going to, we're going to dig into this. And we're going to say, Lord, give me a heart for them. I want to pray for them. And all of a sudden, God begins to stir your heart for the nations. And you get on your knees and begin to pray, God, move. Move by your spirit, Lord. Prayer helps us to see as he sees. It brings us into alignment of the possibilities. What is possible? We don't pray. We don't always pray from a, a place of hope. You see, when Jesus was encountering this rich, rich man that we just talked about, and he shared it with his disciples, Mark 10, verse 26 to 27 says this, and he says, they were greatly astonished, well, saying among themselves, well, then who can be saved? They were questioning, well, wait a second, if this rich man, he's done all these wonderful things, he had a great life, he had good morals, but who can be saved, Lord? They questioned, they wondered. But Jesus stirred them up. And he said, in verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With men it's impossible, but with, not with God. For with God all things are possible. See, when you get encounters with Jesus, and that is part of prayer, you encounter Jesus and his word, and you encounter what he's doing and what he's saying. He says nothing is impossible. You give me to believe it. It gets in your heart. Because part of who you are, God's word needs to be a part of us so we can give it out. It's not meant to just come into your ears and fall away tomorrow on Monday when you go home. But you're supposed to live it out day by day by day, every step that you take. You're supposed to live it out. Today, I'm taking a step towards Jesus. Today, it's possible that my coworker can get saved. I've been praying for my dad for 25, I don't know, 30, well, how old am I? What, 40 years. <laughs> oh, Jesus, save him. Save him, Jesus. I'm going to talk to him every day. Jesus, save him. I don't know when the day is coming, but I want to take the step and minister to him and talk to him and share with him. Jesus, when is the day that breakthrough's coming in my family? God, what are you going to do? I pray, God, by the power of your spirit, if you will use me, I'm here. What do you want God to do in you, guys? What do you want him to do through you? Today is the day to answer that call and not to wait for another day. He says the harvest truly is great. Do you see it? Do you see the harvest even in this church? People are in need. People are in need out there on the streets. It's so overwhelming. But Jesus says go and pray. Pray for the Lord of harvest because it's his harvest. 
prayer also helps us to love. You ever try praying for somebody who you don't really like? Maybe you had an argument with your spouse this morning and they're the one you're praying for. You have a hard time praying? Oh, real? Your friend at school who's bugging you? You ever have trouble praying for them? Lord Jesus, I call down fire from heaven. No, just kidding. Actually, you remember the disciples actually did that. They were like, Jesus, they didn't receive us, so can we call down fire from heaven and to consume them? That's real. There, we have. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm so, so one of your disciples. I'm in this crowd. I don't do everything I need to. I want to call down fire, not necessarily on my spouse. Thank you, Jesus. I don't really want to go there. <laughs> well, our prayer brings you to a place of love because First Corinthians says, "Without love, we can do nothing." But we can, we can when we love, we begin to believe all things. We begin to hope all things. We're kind, we're humble, we rejoice in truth, we endure all things. Prayer, we pray for eyes to be opened. We pray for the rich to be torn apart from their riches and turned to Jesus. We pray for oppression to lift. With love, all things are possible. When you pray, you begin to love. Something we're doing in our youth right now this year, we're focused on loving God, loving others. Oh, yeah, I'm making a difference. They finally got it. About a month. Woo, good job, guys. That was a test. All right, we're focusing on these things. Loving God comes first because when you love God, and you're, you're going to start loving others. You can't love God and not start loving others. It's just really impossible. And if you're not loving others, then maybe you should check your love for God. And when you love God and you begin to love others, you begin to, something stirs in you to want to make a difference. So start on your knees. Say, God, how, where, what, when. Next part prayer does is it says pray for help. How many of you need help? Oh, I should see more hands up in that. Their mission was to get help. He's saying, saying, saying pray for laborers because the harvest is great. It's 70, you're not enough. Pray for help. So the Lord brought to remembrance way back when I was a kid, we had something called the buddy system. Anybody remember the buddy system? Some of them have it in work now where their buddy system, you go into a new job and they have to acclimate you to their systems and their ways of doing things so they give you a buddy. But the buddy system was more, as a kid, it was like safety. Don't go anywhere without your buddy. You go on a field trip, don't go without your buddy. Buddy system, stay together, don't go apart. So this is what I actually looked it up, and I, I just want to read this to you. It says, the buddy system is a procedure in which two individuals, the buddies, operate together as a single unit so that they are able to monitor and help each other. The first known use for the buddy system goes back to 1942, for those like dates. The buddy system is also defined as an arrangement in which two individuals are paired as for mutual safety in hazardous situations. The buddy system is basically working together in pairs in a large group or alone. Both the individuals have to do their job. Have to do their job. Both individuals have to do the job, not just one. The job could be to ensure that work is finished safely or the skill that needs to be learned is transferred effectively from one individual to another. Let's talk about discipleship for a minute. When you bring somebody along with you, when you pray for somebody to get saved, what do you do? Just leave them, okay? No, bring them alongside you. 
Help them to grow and walk out the missional call that you're also doing. Bring them alongside you. Do it together. Both are to do the job. You ever worked with somebody where you're doing all the work? And you're supposed to be training them, but they're still not doing it because they know you're doing it? That's not how the kingdom of God is supposed to be. We're supposed to do this together, arm in arm. Let's, let's go together. Who's your buddy this morning, church? Look around the room. Take a second. Look around the room. Say, who's my buddy? Who's going with me on this mission? I'm going. Are you coming with me? Let's drag people along. Come on, let's go. It was for their own safety in this buddy system. So that they don't all become a casualty in the time of crisis. What does he say? I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. I don't know about you, but I want someone to have my back when I go out. Because there are some wolves out there. I want to do this together. He was sending them out together because there's power and unity. They went out as one. You know, in the military, they call it a wingman. If you prefer wingman over Who's my buddy? Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Who's your wingman? Maybe that sounds more cool to you. Whatever. Next, we need to pray for compassion. Jesus, in Matthew 9, verse 35 through 37, says this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and, and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. See, he sees it. He sees it better than we see. That's why we pray so that we can begin to see as he sees. Show me the harvest, Lord. I'm not seeing it. I, don't, I need this in my heart. I need to have an outward glance. I've just been looking at myself, coming in, just I need, I need, I want, I want. No more, church. Let's be missional in our lives. Prayer stretches us. Where have we heard that before? If you weren't here last Sunday, I want to encourage you to go back to the message Pastor Jonathan shared last week. Review it, hear it, pour over it. You know, he talked about we need to get past our limitations, and he listed a bunch of limitations that we put upon ourselves. Some of that is fear. We need to get out of our comfort zone. Let the Lord stretch you. Answering the call stretches you to get on your knees, to do something that you haven't done before. To grow, it causes you to grow. How many of you want to grow? Well, I do. So we need to pray. The next step in answering the call for a missional life is to go. He says, pray for the Lord of the harvest and go your way. You are part of the answer. I know often some of us say, well, I'm going to pray. I'll pray for those who are going. That's great. But that's not all you're called to do. You, each one of us, is called to go. We get to choose to engage. In Isaiah 6, a very familiar passage, verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will I send? This is the Lord talking to Isaiah. And who will go for us? Who will I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response was, Here am I, send me. Is that your, your heart cry this morning? Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me to Linwood. Send me to Everett. Send me to the depths of Seattle. Send me across the nations of the world. Send me, Jesus. Here am I. That sending here in Isaiah says to stretch out. 
That's what that word actually means. Stretch out. Send, send me, Lord. Stretch me out so that I can be effective for you. But in Luke chapter 10, that sending actually means to draw out with force. It's used also in the casting out of a demon. Some of us, I think Jesus needs to take his big foot and uh, do one of these. Time to get out of your chair. Time to get up and do something. Maybe he needs to cast a few demons out of you. I don't know. Got quiet. Author Spurgeon wrote, it takes great power to drive a devil out. It will need equal power from God to drive a minister to do his work. What does it take God to move you? I don't really want him pulling me with him. I want a willing heart. Do you have a willing heart this morning, church? The sending means to, to send forth or to drive cattle to pasture. And I just thought, God, how many people do you want to bring to your pasture to feed them? It means to send as a messenger. Will I go with your words in my mouth? It also means ascending as a weapon. God wants to hurl you as a weapon into this world against the kingdoms of darkness for the sake of someone else. The last thing here this morning, thank you for staying with me today, is knowing what to expect in this missional life. The Bible says, don't put your hand to the plow and look back. That means you take a step out. Don't look back at what's happened or what you're used to. Don't look back to the comfort zone. Get out of your comfort Look, Look forward. Because there's a lot going on. And there's a lot that he's about to do. And he, he is challenging. That's what he's talking about, stretching us. He's challenging us to take a step forward, to, to step out. He's challenging us, stretch. Let me stretch you. Don't miss this. Let me stretch you. Because you guys, we can stand back and we can walk away sorrowful this morning. Thank God you're calling, but I don't want to do this yet. And that's You get to choose that. But if you will just respond and say, I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing. So really quickly here, it says, we will work. What to expect is going to be work. <laughs> Might be harder than you think. That's why we call them laborers. <laughs> yes, I know it's hard to get up on a Sunday morning to get to church early to help in a ministry. But, oh, Lord Jesus, what's going to come when I step in those doors because I've got your anointing and power and someone needs you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I can get out of bed in the morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's get a new perspective about what we're about and what we're doing. And if it takes it every Sunday, I don't care. Get up in the morning and say, thank you. Start on Saturday night. Rev up your and Thank you, Jesus, that I get to get up in the morning. Thank you that I, my alarm's going to go off before I'm even ready to get out of bed. But God, I want you to move. I want to see your purpose. Thank you that I'm going to remember to come to prayer on Sunday nights because I know that this is where it begins. And I want a heart to serve you. Again, he says, we'll be lambs among wolves. Yay, Jesus, thank you. But that doesn't mean we're the weaker ones. He chooses the weak things to confound those things which are mighty. He takes the weak things in us to give us the power to show and demonstrate who he is. It's not about you and what you possess, but it's about him. You'll be provided for. 
You know, he told them, he says, in this situation, the seven, he says, go out without purse or bag. And when you go, you're going to be provided for in the cities where you go. Later, he actually tells them, some people take this as, oh, I can't go with anything. No, 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 because later he sends, in Luke 22, he says, take a knapsack, take provisions, get a sword. I know so many of you, it's just different. You need to ask the Lord what he's asking you to do. Just step out and go, walk as you go and know that he's going to trust him. Or you need to wait for God to speak and say, I'm going to prepare some stuff for you to take with you. What is he asking you to do? He also says, we're going to preach and we're going to heal the sick. And I'm going to tell you, church, this isn't just for a select few. This wasn't just for the 12 or the 70. This was for each and every believer. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come to you. Maybe that freaks you out just a little bit. But I know even for me in prayer the other night, I'm like, God, I want to see every time I pray for somebody, I want to see them healed. Do I see it every time? No. But it doesn't stop me. I ask again and again, and I'm saying, Lord, when I hear somebody, you get the phone call. I'm sick. I'm hurt. I'm saying, Lord, help me to remember to call them, not just to text them, but to verbally call them and say, in Jesus' name, I declare healing over your life. That's what I'm doing, and I hope you will follow my example. Don't just say, I'm so sorry. You can also say, can I do something for you? That's not wrong. Can I help you take some, can I bring you some, that's not wrong. To help, want to help them naturally. But he promises that we can all do this. It also says we will cast out demons. For every believer. Miracles are for every believer to demonstrate his glory and his power. Remember that in following the call of God, we're preparing a way for him. When it says, he says, pray for Lord of the harvest, you're going to go to places where I'm about to come. That's what he says in Luke 10. You're going because I'm about to come. He uses us. I'm so grateful, God, you choose to use human beings. This person right here, you choose to use me in a way that I can't even fathom. I don't know why me, but you choose and you, you say, please just go. I want to make a difference in this person's life, but you get to prepare the way. You get to be that seed out there. One waters, one plants, when God brings the increase. God, come after me. Follow your word with signs and wonders. Not my own, but your word. You say it, so you do it. We are to make disciples teaching them. Some people like to just go out and we call the glory cloud. They get to go, I preached to thousands and so that happened, blah, blah, blah. But that's, that's good. That's needed. But disciple. But you also need to be a disciple yourself, but this is what his disciples did. They picked up their cross and they followed him. They didn't know what it was all about. They didn't know how to cast out demons. They didn't know how to do all this stuff. But they said, yes, I'm willing to go. Teach me, Lord. Yes. Remember, we're to keep our focus. Our focus means to be on him. I'm just going to say one little plug lastly here. Luke 10, 17 through 20. It says, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. We get excited about some funny things. But Jesus said, keep perspective here. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and behold, I give you, 
I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scor scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Praise you, Jesus. And nothing by means will hurt you. But nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. This isn't what it's really about. But that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are forever written in heaven. And I want to add this right here. Rejoice that someone else's name is going to be written in heaven because you went forth and you helped them. You prayed for them to be delivered from the demonic activity. You prayed for them to receive Jesus. You prayed for them just because they had a sore foot and they don't even know Jesus yet. Did you know God can heal people who aren't even a Christian? Did you know that? You can lay hands on someone who doesn't even believe in Jesus and they can be like, oh my goodness, I can't even believe this happened. Tell me more. That's what the power of God is for. Don't boast in your gifts, church. There's so much that goes on in this world. I have the power and the authority to do this. I'm, I've done this before. I can cast a demon. How about you? No. You all can cast out a demon. Now, we can get into some teachings here and say, if some demonic activity begins to rise in here, if we're all called to do that, then who gets to do it? Well, be humble and follow the Jesus, and he'll tell you. But out there... Who's your buddy? Who's going to go with you? So you can do it together. Have the worship team come on up. Would you guys stand with me this morning? Thank you for taking the time. I know it's, we've gone a little bit long this morning. But I hope in all this sharing, and I hope you're hearing him call you. Because you're not answering my words this morning. You're answering to him. And God is stirring something up in us. It's time to get on our feet and it's time to go out. It's time to be a part, live a missional life. And it looks different every day. It might be your mission to your family today. You're focusing on your kids. Next time it's your coworkers. Then it's on a Sunday morning. And then it's at the gas station in the grocery store. And he's going to reach in and say, hey, you want to go with me? On a greater journey, you're ready. Start here. Start right where you're at. Live a missional life right where you're at. Make a difference. But it begins by loving Jesus with all of your heart. Getting on your knees before him and crying out before him, saying, God, what is your purpose for me? Give me your love for the nations. Give me your love for the world. Give me your love for my family again so I can pray. God, reach them. Reach them the only way you know how to reach them. I, don't, I can't do it. But Jesus, you alone can. You have the anointing and the power to break through every power of darkness of hell. And you can reach them beyond. Yes. You can reach them beyond. You can reach their heart. Jesus, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Would you close your eyes and lift your hands? Everyone in this place. Just begin to talk to him, Jesus, we're here. Jesus, we want you. We want your purpose. We want to affect your kingdom. Don't allow us to just live a nominal life day in and day out. But God, we want to be missional. We want to live as you live, Jesus. You taught them how to heal the sick and cast out demons. You taught them how to preach your word. God, teach us, Lord, today.